Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your friend, your brother, as always, Tazapa. Welcome to another episode of Bible Talk, sponsored by ISBHPK. Uh, affiliated Schools wants to send shouts out to them in VA, Rochester, H-Town, the brothers here in San Antonio, the brothers in Albuquerque, Cobb down in Guatemala. I am joined once again, y'all. Hasadiah is in the building, y'all. Shalom. She has made a, a brief return to the show. <laughs> but I am delighted to have her with us here this morning. I know y'all are too. <laughs> y'all ain't got to listen to me butchering words. Well, anyway, man, uh, I hope everybody's healthy. Everybody has had a, a great Sabbath, great weekend, man, uh, in good health. Uh wanted to continue to ask y'all thoughts and prayers uh, for the brother Thawam as he is recovering from the ailment. also like to ask your thoughts and prayers uh, for Mama Dukes, my mom's uh, dealing with uh, long-term illness. Um, and the water for all your thoughts and prayers that you all have been sending up. I want to send shouts out to 12 tribes scattered worldwide, man. I love my people, man. I love Israel, man. We are a very unique people, and the Most High definitely broke the mold when he made us, man. And just uh, getting to the scriptures, man, and I'm so happy that I am finally able to read this book and see black people, man. I, I am finally able. I'm, this is me personally telling y'all this. I'm finally able to read this book, study this book. I see black people now, y'all, man. And y'all might be like, huh? Some of y'all, there's in the now. <laughs> but most of us, man, because we've been brought up here in this place, man, we look at the Bible through a white lens because that's what we've been uh, psychologically trained to do, you know, as far as history and imagery. And like that old Sprite commercial, man, they said on the commercial that image is everything. And it truly is. They was was dropping jewels, man, putting it right in front of us because the whole slogan was image is everything versus nothing. But uh, image is definitely everything, man. Imagery. I mean, how do you know a stop sign is a stop sign? Because of the image. It's not so much as the word that's put on the sign. It's the image. How do you know the women's bathroom is the women's bathroom? Because you see the lady in the dress, right? That's imagery, y'all. Well, we've been psychologically programmed through imagery. This is why they gave us picture books. Remember when you were younger and you first started learning how to read and they had, the, you know, the uh, what they call those words, the sight words that you're supposed to, to know? You can't really sound them out. They really don't have syllables. There's no sense you can make of them. You're just supposed to know them on sight when you see them and commit them to memory. Those little booklets that they would give us, the imagery that was in it was always who? Little white girls, little white boys, Right? That's the imagery that's been ingrained in our mind. 
since we picked up a book and started learning. And it continue on elementary, uh, grade school, middle school, high school. It wasn't until you, if you were fortunate enough or however you want to look at it, fortunate or unfortunate because there's a lot of brainwashing going on, even at the collegiate level. But it's not till you reach that level till you start saying, hey, man, these people um, was black. These people had color. These people, they may have been me because you're still questioning things. But we've been psychologically induced with that, man. And for for me saying this, I know I'm not the only one that has has read the Bible through a white lens, and especially, man, coming into this knowledge of the truth, from going from uh, church to church and all the uh, icons that was on the wall that's been whitewashed, believing that our Savior is a white dude, you know, and that brought on the self-hatred of us because we didn't see ourselves as him. We see him as the white, uh, the the pale skin or the red skin or the white skin is really red, and the blue eyes and the blonde hair. Why the hell do you think our people still run around looking crazy as hell? Be jet black. Got some damn blonde hair. Why do you think our people still doing this, man? That's psychologically ingrained in our minds. I was looking at, uh, what is this damn thing? A lot of y'all know watching, a lot of y'all archives watching this show uh, about escape and uh, SWV. Old hoes. Still. And I say this because they are. You look at the show. And it's, it's, it's so shameful, man. Anyway, um, one of the girls from Escape, the, the one that used to be fat, I forget her name. I think it's Tasha. Dark as hell. Little chocolate thing. Blonde hair. Looks ridiculous. This is still ingrained in our heads, y'all. This is why when you drop the truth on people and you try to just try try to show them basic color scriptures, what is the first thing that come out of their mouth? Color don't matter. Oh, wow, you don't say. So this country in which you live in, your ancestors lived in, been kidnapped, brought over here. Remember Jim Crow? What was that about? The color of your skin. Remember the Jim Crow laws? Do you remember segregation? What was that about? The color of your skin. So you could do and go certain places based off the color of your skin. You could go in restaurants. You can drink from certain water fountains and live in certain areas of town based off of what? Your skin color. But you want to say, when you pick up the Bible and read color scriptures, like Christ being black, the Jews being black, now color does not matter. <laughs> color does not matter. You see what a great job they've done? The psychological pro, uh, programming that they've done on us is worked to a T, man. Now you got to fight with your own people to explain, hey, man, all the people are the No, we ain't them people. We the Gentiles. It's sad, man, but it's true. 
But back to what I was saying, man, all praise mm-hmm. to the Most High. Bashim Yam Shai. I'm finally able to read this book and see black people, man. All praise to the Most High, y'all. All praise to the Most High. All right, y'all, let me go and get into the show. If it's your first time tuning into the show, I do about an hour of news and current events uh, and whatever's on my mind, and then I dive into the class. I'm going to try to cut the news short today because I definitely want to get a little deeper into this class. This class is very thick. It's historically dense. So let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it, man. So this is the prayer we need to be sent up on a daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell up out of here, man. Let's get Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. Got that for me, ma'am? Mm-hmm. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good or bad, happy or sad. The Most High brought you to it. He'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. All right, y'all, let's dive on in. Uh, I also want to make this announcement. I'm sure Mashaba will get it. I think Mashaba's broadcasting tomorrow. But we've got Passover coming up, man. The actual Passover starts uh, Wednesday evening at sunset. And I know a lot of brothers and sisters around the country, around the uh, world, have been celebrating on different days. They are going off of different calendars. And Kwame Yasha'ala. Rise, Israel, rise, Israel, so be it. The Most High blesses the unity. Nothing against those brothers, but we're uh, celebrating our uh, actual Passover Wednesday at sunset, all right, the actual Passover. And we're going off the Masharah Yasha'ala's calendar, the government of Israel. So the brothers decided that we would be unified on certain things, the two things in particular would be the Sabbath readings and the calendar. So this is the calendar that we're going off of. The actual Passover is going to start Wednesday evening and sundown. But we're going to celebrate Passover this upcoming Sunday in VA, y'all. Uh, I know it is Easter and a lot of people, which I do, well, that's the only time everybody can get off work. To travel, come on, y'all. Let's be practical. Hence the name of our school, Israelite School of Biblical History and Practical Knowledge. Something that you can practice. Let's be practical about this. So we're celebrating Easter Sunday because it's practical for everybody to make it out to celebrate Passover. Because we are still in captivity. We can't just up and go and leave our jobs and be like. Esau, I'll see you when I get back. No, we can't do that. <laughs> we have to do things conducive to the captivity that we're in, y'all. Does this mean to sell your soul 
and to join hands with Esau and the rest of the nations and be wicked as hell? No, it is not. It means to still practice the most high's laws, statutes, and commandments to the best of our abilities while also adhering to the principles of Christ and following those as well. All right. So with that said, uh, let's get the first article. Hasadai, got it? Let's do this. There we go. All right. As reported on Newsweek.com as of March 28, 2023, Audrey Hale Manifesto release raises major concerns from the LGBTQ plus groups. All right, the letter people. And if you don't, you're not familiar with this story, Audrey Hale was the one, the assailant, uh, that killed all the people in uh, Tennessee. What was it, last week or the week before? But anyway, she killed those children uh, and a couple of adults in that uh, another uh, massacre that happened. And it was last week. All right, read this. Calls for police to release the manifesto that authorities say was written ahead of Monday's Nashville shooting, school shooting has prompted concern among LGBTQ plus groups who caution against the publication of such a document. So she left a manifesto going into her psychological issues because her ass is definitely crazy, as the rest of them are. We're going to go into that in a minute. But now they're coming out saying, hey, don't release it because it could give us, the letter people, a bad reputation, a bad name. People will think that we're all just crazy. Y'all are. Read on. While many details remain to be unveiled about the massacre at the Covenant School this week, police have identified the shooter as 28-year-old Audrey Hale. On Monday, Hale, armed with two assault-style weapons, a rifle and a pistol, as well as a handgun, fatally shot three children and three staff members at the school before being killed by police. You shot three unarmed kids and three unarmed adults. Your ass is crazy. Go ahead. Speaking at a press conference hours after the shooting, Metropolitan Nashville Police Chief John Drake who said the shooter identified as transgender, confirmed that officials were in possession of a manifesto, a map detailing how the incident would take place, and writings that pertain to this date, the actual incident. Now, I'm confused. I am confused. So they said that this person was a transgender. So Aubrey, that's a girl's name? Was that the original name? Audrey. Audrey. So it was a girl that's trying to be a dude, a dude trying to I, I don't know. You see how confusing this nonsense is? It's crazy. Some conservatives, like Tennessee Republican Representative Tim Burkett, have called for the release of the document, arguing that doing so would give the public critical information about the perpetrator's state of mind. Yeah, now you want to do something that's, uh, productive for society. You never should have let made it okay for these crazies to operate the way they operate. Let's get the other one. That's all I'm going to get from that one. Okay. Now, trip, trip off of this. Tell them where you're reading from. From healthpartners.com. Minority stress and mental health challenges in the LGBTQ plus community. Now, look how they put it on a spin on the minorities. 
<laughs> minority stress because sadly, unfortunately, we're a part, some of us are a part of this damn crazy community of crazy people, man. Unfortunately. And here at Blog Talk, man, we, we like to prove all things like it tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So I've been saying forever that those people are nuts. All right, this is my proof. Read on. People who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer, LGBTQ+, are at least twice as likely to have mental health challenges. Whoa, whoa, there, what? At least twice as likely to have mental health challenges. Twice as likely, because we all got some type of mentally challenged issues. But these people are twice at risk for being mentally unstable, crazy as hell. You don't say. And listen to the reasons they say that they're twice as likely of being crazy. Read. Compared to the general population, it raises the question, why does the LGBTQ plus community experience more mental health concerns? Much of it comes down to life experiences. Their experiences in life, of course. They're going to have mental issues because they're trying to put a peg in a square hole or a round hole. (laughs) However the saying goes, (laughs) they're trying to be something that they were not created to be. So, of course, their life experiences are going to be very traumatic, very difficult to navigate because you're looking a certain way and you ain't that way that you portray yourself to be. But you want everybody else to live in your fantasy world and address you as the way you see yourself rather than what you are. So, yeah, you're going to have some difficult time with that. Read. Chances are you've been in situations that have made you uncomfortable. Do you think? <laughs> you think? Situations that made you uncomfortable. Like, and I remember this, too. We was in Florida uh, doing working with the affairs. Uh, Miami, and uh, we had the court doing our thing. We always kept it live, man, when we did fairs with music, dancing, just bringing the spirit, man, getting the people over. So it's this, it's this couple that comes to the uh, court, and I address the dude who I'm thinking is a dude. I say, hey, yeah, which one you want to smell, man? And... It looked at me as, I'm a girl. I'm like, oh, damn, my bad. Because <laughs> she looked just like a dude. But she was offended that I called her a dude when she was dressed like a damn dude. Ain't that what you were portraying? Ain't that the, the, the isn't that the disguise you put on <laughs> to have people to think that you were a dude? So your disguise is working. So why are you mad because your disguise is working? When it's Halloween, don't they dress up? They, yeah. they want to be identified as what they Yeah. Are. It's the same concept you would think, right? But this is what it's talking about in dealing with these people, their life experiences. And what else did it say? Um, maybe someone said or did something, or perhaps it was just a look that made you feel unwelcome. But the worst thing was feeling like no one had your back. 
How did you feel? Were you stressed, anxious, or lonely? Did you just want out of the situation? Now imagine you were constantly surrounded by the negative attitudes and behaviors of others. Negative behaviors and attitudes of others when others are just confused about what you're doing. Stop, y'all. I'm trying to justify this. This is crazy. It's like it's like you, you'll see a woman with another woman that looks like a dude. It's like, why does he get a dude? <laughs> I mean, even in the bedroom. Certain things have to be attached that a dude has for you to get off. Why not just go get a dude? You see, this is crazy, y'all. Get the other one. As reported on psychologytoday.com, when homosexuality stopped being a mental disorder. Read that again. When homosexuality stopped being a mental disorder. When it stopped being a mental disorder. So once upon a time, it was listed as what? A mental disorder. A mental disorder. We just read it. Why these people are mentally challenged? Read on. Not until 1987 did homosexuality completely fall out of the DSM. First published in 1968, the DSM-2 listed homosexuality as a mental disorder. Well, it was what? Listed as a mental disorder. Y'all see I'm not lying? Y'all see this, right? These are facts. You can argue with facts, but to no avail. You're wasting your energy. Go on. In 1973, the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a mental disorder but replaced it with sexual orientation disturbance. So it's no longer a mental disorder. It's sexual orientation disturbance. 1973. Mm -hmm. So you're disturbed in your sexual orientation. It's a fancy way of just saying you're crazy. It's still the same thing. Read on. Not until 1987 did homosexuality completely fall out of the DSM. Today, the standard of psychotherapy in the U.S. and Europe is gay affirmative psychotherapy. Gay affirmative psycho. Ooh, okay, read on. In the 1950s and 1960s, some therapists employed aversion therapy of the kind featured in A Clockwork Orange, to cure male homosexuality. A clock, is that a show? It's a movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago, but it was good. Uh, okay. Go ahead. This typically involves showing patients pictures of naked men while giving them electric shocks or drugs to make them vomit. And once they could no longer bear it, showing them pictures of naked women or sending them out on a date with a young nurse. Needless to say, these cruel and degrading methods proved entirely ineffective. <laughs> the spirit was strong. Yeah, yeah you damn right. <laughs> the spirit was strong and the damage was already done, and they were missing a key component. And we're going to get to that in a second. Read on. First published in 1968, DSM-2, the second edition of the American Classification of Mental Disorders, listed homosexuality as a mental disorder. 
And this, the DSM followed in a long tradition in medicine and psychiatry, which in the 19th century appropriated homosexuality from the church and in an in an elan of enlightenment, promoted it to from sin to mental disorder. They promoted it from what? From sin to mental disorder. The most hot. Give me Malachi 3, 3 and 5, I think it is. So it said that they changed homosexuality from a sin to a mental disorder. It's actually both. It's a 3 and Yeah, 3 and 5, I, think, I believe it is. And I will come near. No, five and three. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, this is verse six. Three and six. Listen to this. Because it said that they changed it, right? Now watch this. Read. Malachi three and six. For I am the Lord. I change not. The most I said he don't change. So people can change things. <laughs> about the most high things, about the Bible things that sin like homosexuality, they can change it all they want to, but the most high does not change. He still sees it as what? As a sin. Let's get Romans now. Romans chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 25. Now, this is the problem. This is what they're missing. Romans 1, 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie? See, this is what they did. When they changed the mental disorder from a, a sin to a mental disorder, when they changed homosexuality from a sin to a mental disorder, this is what they were doing. They were changing the truth of the Most High. The Most High, he said he changed not. And it says that who changed the truth of God into a lie? The powers that be. Because the reason they changed it from a missile disorder was because of political pressure, because you had a lot of politicians and judges that were homosexuals, and they wanted to fit in into society, and those people had power. No different than today and age, the homosexuals, they have power. When you have power, you have money. When you have money, you have power, and with power, you can do different things and change laws and terminologies and all of that. Even change them definitions in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. So it said, Who changed the truth of God into a lie? Read. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever among. And this is the problem. When it says worship and serve the creature, we're the creature. A man is the creature. All right? Uh, what is it? First Corinthians 5 and 19, I think it is. It talks about a man being a creature. Now, I don't get it. I'm just using it as a reference. But we are definitely creatures. But the problem is we serve ourselves. And in serving yourself, you're going to serve your sexual appetite, whatever that might be. And you're going to put your sexual appetite above the laws and rules of the Most High. That's the problem, you know. For this cause. And because you did this, read. God gave them up unto vile affections. Since your lust is that strong, the most high is like, okay, cool, have at it. Go for it. Blow your booty hole wide open if you want to. Go on and march, munch on that carpet. Go and bump uglies with another woman. Bump, bumping monkeys. Go for it. The most high gave them over to that. Read. 
for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. It's what? Against nature. It's against nature for you to be ramming that tool up in you. For she to, for her to have that strap on hitting you from the back. That's against nature, y'all. To change the natural use. The natural use of a woman is for a woman to be with a man. Something hard and something soft. That's the duality of the Bible. Opposite, right? The most I said he's made one against another. It's in uh, the Apocrypha, Ecclesiasticus. But they changed the natural use to where now you get these two women, woman on woman, and now they want to start a family. They go get a whole surrogate or go get somebody semen who they've never met in their damn life, and voila, bam, you got test two baby. <laughs> like Robin Harris, right? Test two baby. And that's really becoming a thing to where now you're going to have a generation of test two babies to where they're going to have to form their own damn community now. They're going to be known as, the, I guess, the test tubers. <laughs> I don't know who my daddy is. I don't know who my daddy is either. I got two mamas. I got two mamas too. I got two pappies. I got two pappies too. You see, you see the 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 wickedness that comes from this, y'all. This is where we at. This is why we need to be praying to get the hell up out of here. Our children have to see this nonsense. Read on. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman. A man going walking right past a woman to get to another dude, you lusting over another dude. Fish, move out the way to get to another man. You're leaving the natural use of a woman to go be with a dude? Something wrong with you, man. You're mentally ill. That lust is strong on you, sir. Read. Burned in their lust, one toward another. They just burning in their lust. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Uncontrollable. This is what it's talking about, y'all. It's uncontrollable. How can you say the men? Men with men working that which is unseemly. Men with men working that is unseemly. You don't even want to see it. Make you want to vomit in your mouth. Read. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meek. And the Most High is doing what? Receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meek. The word recompense, y'all, means payback. And it says it's meek. The word meek means proper. So AIDS, proper. STDs, proper. Your butthole being blown open to where you can't control your, uh, what is it, the sphinx? The sphinx. The sphinx. The sphinx muscle to where you got to put pads there now to stop it up because it's loose. You can't control that muscle. That's proper. That's the proper thing. That is meat. No, nobody's going to feel sad for you, sir. Ma'am, no one's going to feel some kind of way. No, the, 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 the violin and the heart strings are not going to be pulled. 
That's what you deserve. It says it's proper. Read. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. It says they didn't like to retain retain what? God in their knowledge. What does that mean? Hold this and let's get Genesis chapter 1. And read verse 27. This is what they don't want to retain in, in, in the knowledge of the Most High. Genesis one twenty seven, so God created man in His own image, in the image of God created He Him. Created He what? Him. Created Shem. Him. It's a Shem. Him. It's got to be a Shem, right? Him. Him. You sure it's not Shem? Him. Him. Read. Male and female created He them. Male and female created. You see this? It was a man made. It was one to eight. He 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 didn't uh, intertwine them to where now they're non-binary or whatever the hell they want to call themselves. You don't read none of that nonsense because that is not God's knowledge. God's knowledge is what we're reading. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. Now jump down to verse uh, thirty-one. And God saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was very good. He said what he made was good. This is God's knowledge. This is God's will. But for them to say, no, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body, you're saying that what God created was not good. That makes you what? Anti-God. Anti-the most high. You're the antichrist. That's who you are. Read. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You didn't read the book of Genesis? You didn't even make it that far? Now go back to Romans, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Romans 1, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Like I said, you didn't make it to the first book of Genesis? The begin- you didn't make it that far to get that information? And you did retain that in your knowledge of the Most High, what you knew about the Bible. Read. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And this is because you didn't retain what you had learned in Genesis. The Most High had to give you over to a reprobate mind. And the word reprobate means beyond saving. You're to the point that you're beyond salvation. Because you're burning in your lust. You're going to die for your lust? And I'm not just talking to the letter people. I'm talking to us who have inordinate affections or strong lust, lustful desires that have us being whores or whoremongers. I'm talking to that as well because it's the same spirit, y'all. Because you can't fight your lust, neglect your lust, the Most High will give you over to it, to that reprobate mind that's beyond salvation. Now, no one can talk no sense into you. No matter how many Bible scriptures you're giving, you just will not see it or conform to it. Read. To do those things which are not convenient. And now you're going through changes, doing things that are not convenient. Like I said, such as the, the, uh, the pads in your booty hole. 
such as now I'm going through all this in vitro, uh, what do they call it? In vitro fertilization. In vitro fertilization to have a kid. I'm doing things that are inconvenient now based off of what? My lust. I'm getting, being put in inconvenient situations to where I have to explain to my kid how I don't know who their daddy is. Because all because of what? My lust. I hope we getting this, y'all. And they probably gonna get picked on at school too. And they, yeah, they definitely gonna get picked on at school. Where your daddy at? I know where my daddy at. Where your dad? Who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> like whoever thought that 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 little lingo would be an actual thing now. Let's go on to the next one. Reported on Glamour dot com, April third, twenty twenty three. The Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark women's basketball drama explained. Drama. Y'all hear about this nonsense? And LSU, I believe they didn't won the past couple of years, and I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but I believe that the, the coach of LSU is a sodomite. She a dyke. But anyway, real. Moreover, Scandaball, women's bas- basketball has all the drama now. On Sunday, April 2nd, Louisiana State University beat the University of Iowa in the NCAA Women's Basketball Final. The 10th game included a little back and forth between opposing players Angel Reese, an LSU forward, and Caitlin Clark, an Iowa forward. But the lighthearted rivalry took a turn for the dramatic when clips of Reese's hand gestures apparently borrowed from John Cena's pro wrestling days, went viral. With less than a minute remaining in the game, Reese celebrated her team's apparent victory with Cena's you-can't-see-me move, waving her palm in front of her face. She also tapped her ring finger, soon to be wearing a national champion ring, while looking Clark's direction. Now, what's going on, in case y'all didn't know, this is a sister, um taunting a white girl, but this white girl did the exact same thing to another team, and she ain't catch no smoke behind that. And I always say this, man, it's different strokes for black folks, for colored folks, right? Different rules for us than white people. So you got people coming out, smashing this sister, uh, the sister, what's her name, Angel? Mm-hmm. Angel Reese, for... Uh, taunting this white girl, this Edomite, with the same taunt she taunted other people with and she taunted their team with. And you got people trying to come out to little wake, little wakers rescue. She needs to be rescued from the big black woman. You know, man, it's like, uh, what's the the uh, white fragility? Robin D'Angelo said that uh, people will come to uh, white women's rescue especially a crying white woman. And this is true, man. All right, so let's get uh, get Genesis 27 and verse 41. I, ain't gonna read, I wasn't going to read a little bit more. I ain't going to read it when we got time. Genesis 27, verse 41. I want us to understand this. <clears throat> this is why you got to know the Bible, y'all. You have to know the Bible and who the characters in the Bible are, mm-hmm. or, or else you'll be clueless. Read this. Genesis 27, 41. And Esau hated Jacob. Now, Esau is a so-called white man. That was a fact. 
historical proofs, biblical proofs. Did I did a, a plethora of classes, and shop as well, of dealing with this topic. He is, in fact, the so-called white man. Now, what does it say about him? Read it again. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Now, Jacob is us, so-called blacks and Hispanics. These were twins that were born, and they had a hatred for themselves or for each other, even in the womb. The so-called white man, Esau, has hated us, and this hate continues on. This is why you got different rules for them rather than us. They can do stuff. They can do stuff, and we can do the same stuff, and we get punished and backlash, and nothing happens to them for doing the exact same thing. This is the reason why. This is biblical, people. All right, let's move on to the next article. You don't want the rest of them? No. Okay. All right. Hold on. So guess who's going to jail, y'all? <laughs> it seems that way anyway. Read this. As reported on CNN.com, April 3rd, 2023, what to know about the Trump indictment on the eve of his court appearance? All right. If you haven't known, Trump is getting indicted for some hush money given to a scripper, $137,000, I believe, $137,000 he gave Stormy Daniels to be quiet, keep it on the low low. What's interesting about this man is that and I was thinking about this too. This dude didn't deal way worse. Other presidents didn't deal way worse, but they all always seem to get caught up on some real minute stuff, man. And I say this because I'm going back to um, Tricky Dick, um, Nixon. Nixon was doing all kinds of stuff, but he got caught up for having somebody steal some documents out of the Democratic office. You know, petty theft, <laughs> basically, <laughs> which brings us up to Clinton. Clinton got impeached for getting his Jimmy waxed in the Oval Office by his intern, mm-hmm. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. Now <laughs> mm-hmm. you got Trump <laughs> about to get indicted <laughs> for his sexual escapades with a scripper. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like I said, he's done way worse. Read on. Donald Trump, the first former president in history to face criminal charges, arrived in New York Monday for an expected arraignment on Tuesday after being indicted last week by a Manhattan grand jury. The expected voluntary surrender of a former president and 2024 White House candidate will be a unique affair in more ways than one, both for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and the New York courthouse where he'll be arraigned and for a nation watching to see how it'll shake up the GOP presidential primary. Right. And this is definitely a political move, y'all. I wouldn't be surprised if he did get indicted because the Republicans have already got somebody in mind they want to run and take his place. It's always a political move when you hear these scandals. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he got indicted. So 
Meanwhile, this is going on. So while we got the the shoot, the massacre going on, this stuff with Angel Reese, important important stuff is happening behind the scene. Read this. As reported on NPR.org, April 3rd, 2023, five things to know about Saudi Arabia's stunning decision to cut oil production. Did y'all know this? Saudi's cutting oil production. How does this affect us? Because if they cut oil production, that means there's going to be less oil to in which they make petroleum with, which they make fuel with. So if it's less of something, then it's a shortage. And now because of the shortage, you can do what? You can raise prices. So gas is about to go up, y'all. Read this. Saudi Arabia and a handful of other countries stunned the world on Sunday by announcing significant cuts in their oil production, totaling more than a million barrels of oil per day, starting in May. So starting next month. Read. The decision was unexpected because it did not come as a typical negotiated OPEC agreement reached at a regularly scheduled meeting. Instead, it was undertaken by Saudi Arabia and other producers, including the United Arab Emirates and Iraq, and announced without warning. It was a massive surprise to everybody in the market, says Jorge Leon, a senior vice president at Rysad Energy. Here's what to know about these cuts. Oil markets have responded with a price jump. Brent prices, the global benchmark, jumped up around $5 to around $85 a barrel immediately on news of the cuts. Immediately. (laughs) Y'all hear this? Read. Reducing oil production means less supply on the market, which obviously pushes prices higher. Because the cuts are planned to last from May through the end of the year, the effect on oil prices is also expected to be prolonged. Overall, we think that oil price says says might increase by around 10% going forward compared to what we had, says Leon of Rice and Energy. That's a significant increase, which is the whole point. Crude prices dropped sharply last month, driven by the turmoil in the banking sector. That hurt the budgets of countries like Saudi Arabia which rely on oil revenue, and cutting production was a reliable way to bring prices back up. See, so they were affected by the uh, bank closures that happened here in the U.S. This article goes on, and it tells you how Saudi Arabia Arabia is now in bed with China, and they're forming an alliance, and they're looking at at the U.S. as just a a regular customer, y'all. So this has significant implications which I will keep monitoring and keep my eye on. I hope y'all will do the same. I am sorry, y'all, man, to rush through the news, but I had to, man, because I'm really just trying to get to this class, man. There's a lot of information I want to get to. We want to take a brief break, man, and come back and dive into the class titled Never Wax Pale, Assimilation of the Jews, Part 3. Be right back, y'all.
eventually the Babylonians overthrew the Assyrians and they came into power around 586 B.C. And this was under King Zedekiah, king of the southern kingdom, um, who was took into captivity, uh, blinded. His children's sons were killed right in front of him, which the Most High prophesied. Uh, which brought us into uh, the Persian Mede Empire, um, ushered in by, uh, what's the dude named Cyrus, Cyrus the Great and that dynasty. They came into power around 538 B.C., and this was the rebuild of the first temple, which the Babylonians had destroyed, that was uh, the the Most High commissioned Cyrus to send Israelites back, such as Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel, uh, Zechariah was part of that. Uh, Joshua was Joshua was a part of that. That uh, migration to us going back and rebuilding the Second Temple. Then you had around 333 BC Alexander the Great or Alexander the Greek coming into power. Uh, taking on and conquering the dark races of the time, the known living world, and took Jerusalem without conflict. And I covered that last week. Uh, He ended up sending up praises to the Most High, even sacrificing uh, sacrifice uh, to the Most High. And a lot of the Israelites joined his armies. And that's where we are now dealing with the assimilation. So, uh, we're, not, we're not actually there we're on Antiochus. So uh, Alexander parted up his kingdom, which was uh, ended up into, uh, I think, four realms. And his kingdom was divided amongst his four generals, uh, Cassandra, Lacamachus, uh, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. And now what we're dealing with now is Antiochus Epiphanes, who came in under the Seleucus dynasty. And Alexander brought in Hellenism and Hellenized the world. And to be Hellenist is the Greek ideology, y'all. He brought it in, Alexander, but Epiphanes, the fix, he made it mandatory. So this is what he did, and this is the time period that we're in now in this class. That was a small recap, and I want to do, uh, let's cover who Epiphanes was to get everybody up to speed. Read this. Tell me where you read it from. From Britannica.com. Antiochus IV Epiphanes, Seleucid King. Antiochus IV Epiphanes, in Greek meaning God manifest, also called Antiochus Epimenes, the Mad, born circa 215 BCE, died 164 uh, died 164. Seleucid king of the Hellenistic Syrian kingdom who reigned from 175 to 164 BCE. As a ruler, he was best known for his encouragement of Greek culture and institutions. Encouragement, yeah, right. His uh, dictatorship, <laughs> his forced assimilation, read off. His attempt to suppress Judaism, Judaism, brought on the wars of the Maccabees. Right, and that's where we are right now, dealing with the wars. So before the war even happened, let's get the uh, preface of what brought the war on. 
Because like I said, Alexander brought in Hellenization, but he didn't enforce it. Antiochus Epiphanes V, he enforced it. Now, let's read, uh, let's go to 1 Maccabees. Where I want to go? Chapter 1. And I want you to read verse 10. First Maccabees 1 and 10. And there came out of them a wicked root, Antiochus, surnamed Epiphanes. Now, we just read this in the Britannica, and this is the fifth, right? Or is it the sixth? That's the fourth. I'm sorry. Correct y'all notes, y'all. Antiochus, Epiphanes, the fourth. Read on. Antiochus, surnamed Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king, who had been an hostage at Rome. And he reigned in the hundred and thirty and seventh year of the kingdom of the Greeks. So this dude was taken hostage because the Greeks had wars against the Romans. And this is what they would do, man. And, and like, when they uh, won a battle, they would take somebody hostage just to keep uh, the warring nation they was warring with in check and keep them liable for the things that they owed in the war. So you would go to war, and if you lost the war, you would have to pay tribute. So they kept this dude, Antiochus, the Pitchman, the fourth, a hostage at Rome, so the Greeks would pay what they owed, uh, uh, what they owed in debt to the Romans for losing the war. So this dude was held as a hostage, and matter of fact, his brother got him released because his brother gave him gave the Romans his son in exchange for his brother back. So read on. In those days went there out of Israel wicked men. Now this happened, y'all, around 137 B.C., okay? So in those days there went out, uh, what kind of men? Wicked men. So these wicked men were Israelites, y'all, and this is what they did. This is what made them wicked, read. Who persuaded many, saying, let us go and make a covenant with the heathen that are round about us. For since we departed from them, we have had much sorrow. Now, the Most High told us not to make any contracts with the other nations. And I covered this last week. Uh, the Most High told us in uh, Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, don't make covenants with them, don't make marriages with them. He also told us in uh, Jeremiah, the tenth chapter, don't be like the other nations. And he's told us countless times all throughout the Bible not to be like the other nations. But these Israelite men is what make them wicked or made them wicked because they want to be like the other nations and have contracts and leagues with them. Read on. So this device pleased them well. Mm -hmm. Then certain of the people were so forward herein that they went to the king who gave them license to do after the ordinances of the heathen. Mm-hmm. Whereupon they built a place of exercise. A place of exercise, y'all, is known as a gymnasium. And the root word for gymnasium is gymnos. The word gymnos means neck. Israelites petitioned Antiochus to set up a gym so they could be in there working out naked. Now, read on. At Jerusalem, according to the customs of the heathen. So you had a gym 
a naked place, a place of nakedness at Jerusalem. And we was in there working out. Read. And made themselves uncircumcised. Now, how else would you know somebody was uncircumcised unless they was what? Naked. In a birthday suit, naked. So this is what these men did. These Israelites did. They uncircumcised themselves. Read. And forsook the holy covenant. And And we forsook the holy covenant, meaning we went against all the contracts that we made with the Most High. What else, read? And joined themselves to the heathen. And we joined ourselves to the heathen, read. Sold to do mischief. And was sold to do mischief. Now, remember, it said we forsook the covenant, right? So let's go to Genesis chapter 17. And I want you to start at verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit of this. Genesis 17 and 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. So here's the most High saying, hey, my covenant, or my contract is going to be with you, but you're going to be a father of many nations, right? Read. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. Mm Mm-hmm. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now, listen to what he's saying, because his name means the father of nations, right? And he's telling them, hey, a lot of people are going to come out of you. I'm going to make kings of you. It's going to be a lot of you. But listen to what he says in verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee. So he told him, I'm going to make a contract with you. But now he's getting real detail. I'm going to make my contract between me and you. Now listen to this part. Read. And thy seed. And thy what? Thy seed. Seed is singular, not plural. So he said, yeah, you're going to be a father of nations. A lot of kings going to come out of you. But. It's going to be one son of yours that I'm going to make a, co- a covenant or a contract with. Not all sons, just one son. And thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Once again, seed singular, not plural. Read. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger to thy seed after thee seed not seed read all the land of canaan for an everlasting possession and i will be their god now the land of canaan became the land of israel y'all i don't know if y'all knew that but this is the seed that he's talking about and during those times you would name the land after the people not the people after the land. So the land used to be called the land of Canaan, but once we moved in and got the promised land, which the Most High promised to us and gave to us, 
it became known as the land of Israel because we're the Israelites. Real. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generation. So this was the covenant. We was going to be his people. He was going to be our God. And he said, your seed is going to keep this. What seed was he talking about? Telling us in verse 8, he's hinting to it. He's giving us the land of Canaan. Who got the land of Canaan? The Israelites. But then he's going to get more particular to what we ain't got to be guessing now. Read. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Now, during this time, y'all, he had already had uh, Ishmael as one of his sons. So what this is saying is, okay, yes, Ishmael's going to be circumcised. But remember, he also had Isaac. So who else is going to be circumcised? Isaac was, right? Now, we're talking about the covenant and the token of the covenant which is circumcision, but read on. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man-child in your generation, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. So this is going into now the servants, and the servants were the different nations. If you were a servant that was owned by Abraham, no matter what nation you came from, you got circumcised. So the circumcision was not the covenant, but a token of the covenant. The covenant was we was going to be God's people. He was going to be our God. And this covenant, the Most High made with Abraham, which he extended to his son, Isaac. And we're about to get that. Read. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. Mm-hmm. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. This is going to be in the flesh. So circumcision, in case you're unfamiliar, is so a man comes out of his mom's womb. He has this foreskin on his rod, and the foreskin gets taken off. That's called circumcision. So the circumcision was of the Hebrews, which eventually extended to the Israelites, by way of uh, Isaac and then Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. So that was given to us, all right? But like I said, Abraham's son, Ishmael, also got circumcised. And his other kids that he had with Keturah and his servants. So the circumcision was just a token of the covenant, but not the actual covenant. Uh, Y'all have to remember this is very important. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. Mm -hmm. He hath broken my covenant. Mm -hmm. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? 
And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, listen to what Abraham saying in the Most High. Man, what about my son Ishmael? I mean, he is the oldest. And by law, the oldest is supposed to get the, the bigger blessing. What about Ishmael? That's my boy. Read. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Call his name what? Isaac. Isaac. He ain't dealing with Ishmael. He said he's talking about Isaac. But what did Abraham just ask him about? He asked about Ishmael. And the Most High switched topics real quick. We talking about Isaac, dude. Read. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. You see what the Most High just did? He made it crystal clear who he was going to deal with. The covenant, even though Ishmael circumcised, <laughs> but the contract is going to be to Isaac and to Isaac's seed after him. What seed came after Isaac? It was Jacob. Because remember, Isaac had two sons. They were twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau did not get the blessing but or the contract, but Jacob got that contract. I want us to understand this is very important. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and that man Israel, also named, known as Jacob, had 12 sons. And those 12 sons make up the children of Israel in which the covenant was extended to. I hope everybody understands this. Read on. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Now he said, I'm going to hook Ishmael up, though. I'm going to hook him up. Now listen to this, read. But my covenant. But what? But my covenant, but my contract, read, will I establish with Isaac. It's with Isaac, not with Ishmael. I hope y'all see this. Read. Which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. All right. So what's the significance of circumcision? It's a token of the contract that the Most High made with our forefather, Abraham, Isaac, and it extended down to us. Now let's go back to First Maccabees, chapter 1. And I want you to read uh, that verse again. Where was we at? 15. Verse 15. Matter of fact, verse 14. Whereupon they built a place of exercise at Jerusalem. Us, the Israelites. We built this place of exercise. Read. According to the customs of the heathen. Like, just like the heathen. Read. And made themselves uncircumcised. And we did what? Made themselves uncircumcised. We uncircumcised ourselves spiritually, mentally, and some sources say physically. I don't know how they did it, and I don't want to get into it. But we did this. And in the process of doing this, read. And forsook the holy covenant. We forsook. We forgot about the covenant. We threw the covenant or the contract that the Most High made with our forefather. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we threw it away. And joined themselves to the heathen and were sold 
to do mischief. Now, this is very important, y'all, as we get into the New Testament. We're going to be jumping back and forth from the new and to the old so y'all can see how the two fit together and how if you don't know the old, you won't understand the new. All right? So let's get uh, St. John chapter 7 and verse 22. The circumcision is very important. It's not the covenant as a whole, but it's a token of the covenant. It's part, part of our heritage, part of the contract, all right? Or a token of the contract. You got to remember that. It's very important, especially as it pertains to the New Testament. So you got that? St. John 7.2? Let me catch up with you. All right, let's read that. St. John chapter 7, verse 22. Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision. Now, remember, Abraham got it from the Most High. Abraham handed it down to Isaac. Isaac handed it down to Jacob. Jacob handed it down to his 12 sons, which grew as a nation in, in Egypt. And who brought us, brought us out of Egypt? Moses. And Moses gave it to us as a nation, as a whole. That's what it's talking about. Read that again. Moses, therefore, gave unto you circumcision, mm-hmm. not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. So Moses didn't give this on his own accord. It wasn't something that he just came up with. Moses gave this because it was handed down to our forefathers, which the Most High gave them. Read. And ye, on the Sabbath day, circumcised a man. Okay. So what I wanted to get from that was how Moses gave the circumcision to us, now let's get Acts chapter 7. Stay with me, y'all. Like I said, we're going to be jumping. We're going to be doing a lot of jumping. Acts chapter 7, and I want you to start at verse 6. Acts chapter 7 and verse 6. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let's read it in context. Uh Read verse 2. 7-2. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Sharon. All right. Now jump to verse 6. I wanted to give it in context. So it's talking about Abraham. Now what did the Most High do to Abraham? Read. And God spake on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil 400 years. All right. That's us going into captivity under the Egyptians. Read. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. So those plagues was judgment from the Most High that he sent on Egypt. Read. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. He gave him the covenant of what? Circumcision. Y'all see this, right? You see how circumcision is important? Read. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob was also circumcised. Read. 
And Jacob begat the 12 patriarchs. Y'all see this, right? Our forefathers. Now let's get Romans chapter and verse 1. It's in the New Testament, y'all. Mind you, I hope y'all seeing how it fits together. It's a puzzle. Yep, Romans 3 and 1. Still dealing with circumcision and the importance of it as it pertains to understanding the New Testament. Read. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? No, this is Paul asking a question. What advantage or what benefit has has the Jew, has the Israelite? He says, or what profit is the circumcision? Listen to this. Read. Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. He said, much in every way. He said, but mainly because with the circumcision and the contract that the Most High made with our forefathers, we got the oracles. The word oracles means answers. We got the answers of the Most High. What answers? How you, how you live your life, how you deal with your brothers, the moral, civil, dietary, sacrificial, ceremonial law. This is what we got. All right. Now, from there, let's go back to First Maccabees chapter 1 and read verse 15 again. Stay with me, y'all. And Matthew, go to verse 14 again. Okay. Whereupon they built a place of exercise at Jerusalem according to the customs of the heathen mm-hmm. and made themselves uncircumcised. And we, What did we do? Made themselves uncircumcised. Y'all see this? So it was a lot of us during the time of the Greeks that was running around uncircumcised. It's very important. Read. And forsook the holy covenant and joined themselves to the heathen. And we forsook the 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 holy covenant, read. And joined themselves to the heathen and were sold to do mischief. Alright, let's jump to Acts chapter sixteen now. Hey Mashaba, if you listening, brother, let me know if I'm going too fast. Sure. Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. Can you read Yep. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Oh, so this dude who we encountered named Timotheus or Timothy it said his mama was a Jewish meaning what she kept the faith of the most high she was an Israelite a pra- what you call a practicing Israelite I'll, I'll say that for lack of a better term but his dad was not a practicing Israelite his dad affiliated or was known as a Greek and what did it mean for him to be a Greek? He was an Israelite that was Hellenized, y'all, living the ways of the Greek. I'm going to prove it to you. Which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Mm-hmm. 
Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him. He what? Took and circumcised him. What did Paul do to Timothy? Took and circumcised him. Why did Paul have to circumcise Timothy? Because Timothy's daddy didn't do it. Because Timothy's daddy wasn't circumcised. Because he grew up as a Greek. He was a Hellenized Israelite. I hope everybody is seeing this. This is why Paul had to circumcise his dude. Read it again. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. So you had Jews that knew they was Jews that were circumcised banging on Timothy and Paul because Timothy was not circumcised. Everybody knew that Timothy's daddy was Greek, meaning he was Hellenized, y'all. I hope everybody is seeing this. So let's get to Zonovan. Go to page 207. The water, I. Right. What <laughs> uh, Michelle says, good to hear you. All right, read that. Greece. Mm-hmm. Greece. Grecia is Greece, the home of the Hellens. The home of the who? The Hellens. The home of the Hellens. Now, remember, y'all, I read this last week. Hellens means Greek, all right? It means to be Hellenized or to. Uh, join the Greek ideology or adhere to it and practice it. Read on. Greeks and Grecians, however, are to be distinguished, mm-hmm. are generally those of Hellenic race. Those of what? Hellenic race. <laughs> Read. But the word may be used to indicate non-Jews, foreigners, and aliens. Mm-hmm. Grecians were Greek-speaking Jews. Grecians were what? Greek-speaking Jews. Greek-speaking Jews, like Timothy Daddy. He was a Greek-speaking Jew. Read. Folk of the dispersion from areas predominantly Greek. Folk of the dispersion, the diaspora. I want us to remember that. Now, since we in there, get me diaspora, please. To understand these important facts, when we get to the New Testament, y'all, we we have to. The Israelites have been dispersed, and that's why I wanted to put this class together, because a lot of us don't even know this. So the dispersions happen in many different captivities. Mashaba was going over in his class dealing with biblical salvation how we were uh, in captivity under the Africans, under the Moabites, under the the, the, uh, Ammonites, and then bringing us up to the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity, the Persian Mede captivity, the Greek captivity, and I'm going to deal with the Roman captivity also. But in these many captivities, we were spread out or dispersed. Y'all, I want us to get this. Israel has been scattered all over the world. 
It's in Deuteronomy 28, the, verse, the 64th uh, verse, as well as countless other scriptures showing how we were dispersed. Read this. Diaspora, that which is sown, the name applied to the Jews living outside of Palestine. The Jews that were living outside of Palestine, also known as Israel or Jerusalem. You see this? Not all of us was in Jerusalem. Not all of us were in was in Israel. And this name, Diaspora, applied to all of us that were scattered all over the globe. Three. And maintaining their religious faith among the Gentiles. But a lot of us maintain the covenant of our fathers amongst the Gentiles or the other nations. We kept being Israelites. A lot of us knew who we still were. Three. God had warned the Jews through Moses, that dispersion among other nations would be their lot if they And he did. This was our punishment to be dispersed, to be kicked out of our land is a punishment. Read. These prophecies were largely fulfilled in the two captivities by Assyria and Babylonia. I mentioned that. Read. But there were other captivities. There was what? Captivities. Read. Which helped scatter the Israelites. Mm-hmm. By the time of Christ, the diaspora must have been several times the population of Palestine. Several times, meaning it was more Israelites that was living outside of Israel that was actually in Israel. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of Israelites, y'all. Read. Paul invariably contacted the people in every city he visited. This is who Paul was contacting, y'all, when he was visiting these different cities. This is why he even went, because there were, there were Israelites there. He went to teach them about what? The covenant that we read about in Maccabees that we disowned. <laughs> he went to bring us back. To bring those Israelites back into the sheepfold. I hope y'all are understanding this. Guess I got to get this one too. Let's get uh, St. John chapter 7. I count it. Uh, no, nah, this fits. This fits. I'm going to roll with the spirit, man. I, I didn't even have this in here, but I got to get it. Uh... So that uh verse thirty three. Saint John seven thirty three. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. So Christ was speaking to Israelites. He said, I'm gonna be here with y'all for a little while, then I'm going back to the Father. This is what he's telling them, read. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. But they didn't understand this is what he's talking about. Now listen to what they said, read. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Where is, where is he going to go to where we can't find him? What is the dude talking about? Read. Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles? Will he go to who? Um, unto the dispersed among the Gentiles? The diaspora. Will he go to those Israelites that have been scattered amongst the Gentiles or other nations and do what? 
And teach the Gentiles? And teach them what? Hey, you're God's chosen people. Hey, the Most High made a covenant with our forefathers. You're an Israelite. You got to keep the law, statutes, and commandments. I hope y'all seeing this, man. All right, let's go back to First Maccabee chapter one, and we're going to read verse twenty. We'll jump down to verse twenty now. Okay. Read. And after that, Antiochus had smitten Egypt. He returned again in the hundred forty and third year and went up against Israel and Jerusalem with a great multitude. So you already had Israelites that joined Alexander's Greek army. You have other Israelites during the time of Antiochus that assimilated and set up places of exercise, uncircumcised themselves, and basically became Greeks. Now you have Antiochus coming up against Jerusalem, now, this is going to be the forced conversion. Read. And entered proudly into the sanctuary and took away the golden altar and the candlestick of light and all the vessels thereof and the table of the shewbread and the pouring vessels and the vials and the censers of gold and the veil and the crowns and the golden ornaments that were before the temple all which he pulled off. So he basically robbed the temple, destroyed the temple. Now, remember, the Persian Medes didn't do this. They didn't destroy the temple. They they uh, issued or, yeah, issued a decree for us to go back and rebuild the temple, which was the second temple that was rebuilt. And then when the Greeks came in on the Alexander, Alexander did not destroy the temple. He conquered Jerusalem without conflict. So he didn't even destroy it. But who did come in and destroy it? Antiochus of Tizani IV. He came in and destroyed it. Read. Verse 23. He took also the silver and the gold and the precious vessels. Also he took the hidden treasures which he found. And when he had taken all away, he went into his own land, having made a great massacre, and spoken very proudly. So he massacred us, as well as robbed us. He took all the riches. And the the second temple could not compare to the first temple that Solomon built. You can read it all throughout the scriptures. But this does not mean that the second temple was shabby either because we had a lot of gold and stuff still in it, a lot of valuables that were still in the second Therefore, there was great mourning in Israel in every place where they were, so that the princes and elders mourned. The virgins and young men were made feeble, and the beauty of women was changed. Every bridegroom took up lamentation, and she that sat in the marriage chamber was in heaviness, the land also was moved for the inhabitants thereof, and all the house of Jacob was covered with confusion. With what? Confusion. You see that? Read. And after two years fully expired, the king sent his chief collector of tribute unto the cities of Judah, who came unto Jerusalem with a great multitude. The southern kingdom. Read. And spake peaceably words, peaceable words unto them, 
but all was deceit. For when they had given him credence, he fell suddenly upon the city and smote it very sore. You see the underhandedness of him? Read. And destroyed much people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And when he had taken the spoils of the city, he set it on fire and pulled down the houses and walls thereof on every side. Y'all see this, man? We were being exterminated. Our nation was on the brink of annihilation. Read. But the women and children took their captives and possessed the cattle, then builded the city of David with a great and strong wall and with mighty towers and made it a stronghold for them. And they put therein a sinful nation, wicked men, and forfeited themselves therein. Excuse me, fortified themselves therein. Now, this is the part I want to get to. It says that they put therein a sinful nation. So what they did was the same thing the Assyrians did. You remember what back in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians took the northern kingdom out, they replaced them with other nations. So the Greeks took a play out of the Assyrian playbook and replaced our nation with foreign nationalists. Now watch this. So read this right here. And tell them where you're reading from. From worldhistory.org, Syrian deportation policy. Now, this is what the Assyrians, this was the Assyrians' policy once they conquered a nation. Read. Adad Narari I completely conquered the Mitanni and began what would become standard policy under the Assyrian Empire the deportation of large segments of the population. With Mitanni under Assyrian control, Adad Narari I decided the best way to prevent any future uprising was to remove the former occupants of the land and replace them with Assyrians. You see this? This is what they did to the northern kingdom. Now, the Greeks did the exact same thing. We read about it in Maccabees. Read. This should not be understood However, as a cruel treatment of captives, writing on this, the historian Karen Bradner states. Whatever. That is cruel. Because when you remove a people out of their land, you disconnect them from their heritage. The Assyrians knew this. And y'all do some research on the Assyrians, man. They were very cruel. Cruel and ruthless. But here, let's go back to 1 Maccabees chapter 1. And where are we at? Verse 34. Okay. Yes. Read. And they put therein a sinful nation, wicked men, and fortified themselves therein. So they did the exact same thing the Assyrians did. They put other people in our land, and they moved us out. Read on. Verse 35. They stored it also with armor and victuals. And when they had gathered together the spoils of Jerusalem... They laid them up there, so they became a sore snare, for it was a place to lie in wait against the sanctuary and an evil adversary to Israel. Thus they shed innocent blood on every side of the sanctuary and defiled it, insomuch that the inhabitants of Jerusalem fled because of them, whereupon 
whereupon the city was made and habitation of strangers. So we left, and these other nations came in and occupied Israel, occupied Jerusalem, read. And became strange to those that were born in her, and her own children left her. Now, let's get uh, 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verse 45. So you get us out of the city, you replace us with strangers and yourself, that nation, the Greeks, read. Now Jerusalem lay void as a wilderness. There was none of her children that went in or out. The sanctuary also was trodden down and aliens kept the stronghold. The heathen had their habitation in that place. So aliens, strangers, heathens, talking about the other nations that was there. Read. And joy was taken from Jacob, and the pipe with the harp ceased. Wherefore, the Israelites assembled themselves together and came to Masfah over against Jerusalem, for in Masfah, was the place where they prayed aforetime in Israel. So this is where all of us went, to this place called Masfah, while Jerusalem was occupied by these foreign nationals. Read. Then they fasted that day and put on sackcloth and cast ashes upon their heads and rent their clothes and laid open the book of the law. The book of what? The law. Now listen to this, y'all. This is the part I want to get to. Read wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. So what did the heathens do? Of their images. In our books, it's called iconoclasm, y'all. They replaced brown folks with white folks. That ain't all they did. Now listen to this. Let's get Josephus now. This is page 35. I'm going to give you all the book and stuff in a second. This is what they do, man. When When you're in power and control, you can rewrite, you can literally rewrite history. Who's going to stop you from doing it? All right, so we're in the Josephus, y'all. Book 12, chapter, paragraph 1. Wait, 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 wait. What page did I say? 35. Yeah, that's it. Right there in the corner. Now, this is uh, dealing with the um, the flood, all right? Right there. No, no, right there. And keep reading after that. There were some also who passed over the sea in ships and inhabited the islands, and some of those nations do still retain the denominations which were given them by their first founders. Now, this is the aftermath of the flood. It says some of these nations passed over the seas with ships, and some of them kept their what? Denomination? Yes. The denominations which were given them by their first founders. So they kept their names, the, the names of their nations that was given to them by their forefathers. Read. 
but some have lost them also. But some of them have lost their original names, their original heritage. Read. And some have only admitted certain changes in them that they might be the more intelligible to the inhabitants. And some of them have literally changed their history so they could be more than what they were. Some nations have done this. Read. And they were the Greeks. And they were the who? And they were the Greeks. Who did this? The Greeks. The Greeks did this. Like we're reading. I hope that y'all are seeing this. Read this again. And they were the Greeks who became... The Greeks became the who? Became the authors of such mutation. They became the authors of this, of rewriting history. The Greeks. Read. For when in after ages they grew potent, they claimed to themselves the glory of antiquity. They claimed to themselves the glory of antiquity. This is why you get them rewrite history, and now, now they're us. Now they're the Egyptians. Now they're everybody. Is that it? Giving names to the nations that sounded well in Greek. And not only that, they rename nations. They give them names that sound good to them. No different than, than us. Oh, you know what? We're, we're the Israelites, and they're the Gentiles now. Or I'm going to take it a step further. What's your name, boy? Kunta. Kunta Kinte. No, boy, your name's going to be Toby. This is what they do. I know I brought up that that's jumping a little head in history, but it's the same people, y'all. Same mentality. Is that it? No. Read. Giving names to the nations that sounded well in Greek, that they might be better understood among themselves, <laughs> and setting agreeable forms of government over them as if they were a people derived from themselves. So <laughs> you see this? <laughs> They make it seem like they came from themselves, like they had no origin. <laughs> this is why when you look up their history, you got to scratch your head, and it's confusing as hell because they did it on purpose so that you can't track their roots all the way back to Genesis, the 25th chapter, Esau. Was that it? Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Now let's go to in the state of Josephus. We're going to book 12 now. Book 12, chapter 2. Paragraph 1. And this coincides with what we just read out of the Apocrypha. Book 12, Chapter 2, Paragraph 1. Give me that page when you get to it, too. Yeah, 309 is the page. Mm -hmm. Read that. When Alexander had reigned 12 years, and after him, Ptolemy Soter, 40 years. Ptolemy who? Soter. Ptolemy Soter. Keep that name in mind, y'all. Read. Philadelphus then took the kingdom of Egypt and held it. 
40 years within one. So talk about the Ptolemaic dynasty. Read on. He procured the law to be interpreted free those that were come from Jerusalem into Egypt. So he wanted the law, our holy books, to be interpreted from Hebrew into Greek. I hope y'all seeing this. Read. And were in slavery there who were 120,000. So the 120,000 Israelites that was enslaved. Now, this was in Egypt. And remember, this is the Ptolemaic dynasty, the Greeks. Read. The occasion was this. Demetrius Phalerius, who was library keeper to the king, was now endeavoring, if it were possible, to gather together all the books that were in the habitable earth and buying whatsoever was anywhere valuable or agreeable to the king's inclination, who was very earnestly set upon collecting of books, to which inclination of his Demetrius was zealously subservient. And when once Ptolemy asked him how many ten thousands of books he had collected, he replied that he had already about twenty times ten thousand but that in a little time he should have 50 times 10,000. Now, this was the library that was at Alexandria that they burned up. I don't know if y'all familiar with that, but this is what it's talking about. Read on. But he said he had been informed that there were many books of laws among the Jews. Among the who? Among the Jews. So they were interested in books, but in particular, what book was they interested in? The Bible, mm-hmm. read. Worthy of inquiring after, and worthy of the king's library, but which, being written in characters and in a dialect of their own, will cause no small pains in getting them translated into the Greek tongue. He's like, man, it's going to be hard to, to translate this. It's going to take us a while. Read. That the character in which they are written seems to be like that to which is the proper character of the Syrians. This is referring to the Assyrian-style Hebrew, the box Hebrew. (laughs) Read on. And that its sound, when pronounced, is like to theirs also, and that this sound appears to be peculiar to themselves. Wherefore, he says that nothing hinders why they might not get those books to be translated also. For while nothing is wanting that is necessary for that purpose, we may have their books also in this library. So the king thought that Demetrius was very zealous to procure him abundance of books and that he suggested what was exceeding proper for him to do, and therefore he wrote to the Jewish high priest that he should act accordingly. That he should act accordingly. Now watch this. Read this. Tell where you read from. From Wikipedia.org. The Septuagint. The Septuagint or the Septuagint, y'all. This is where it came from. Came from what we just read in the Apocrypha as well as the Josephus. Read. Sometimes referred to as the Greek Old Testament or the translation of the 70. 
because that's what the word Septuagint means. It means 70. <laughs> Read. And often abbreviated as LXX is the, the earliest extant Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible from the original Hebrew. The full Greek title derives from the story recorded in the letter of Aristeas to Philocrates that the laws of the Jews were translated into the Greek language at the request of Ptolemy II. At the request of who? Ptolemy II. Ptolemy II, also known as who? Philadelphus. Now read that in there. When Alexander had reigned 12 years and after him, Ptolemy Soter, 40 years, Philadelphus then took the kingdom of Egypt. Philadelphus, or what's his other name he's known as? Ptolemy II. Philadelphus. You see that? Read. By 72 Jewish translators, six from each of the 12 tribes of of Israel. You see this? He had translators to translate the Bible. Read. Biblical scholars agree that the first five books of the Hebrew Bible were translated from Biblical Hebrew into Koine Greek by Jews living in the, the Ptolemaic kingdom. By us that was living down in Egypt. Read. Probably in the early or middle part of the 3rd century BCE. The remaining books were presumably translated in the 2nd century BCE. Some Targumans translating or paraphrasing the Bible into Aramaic were also made during the Second Temple period. You see this? So they've been interpreting our books. I hope everybody got this, man. Let's jump back to 1 Maccabees chapter 3, and I want you to read verse 48 again. And laid open the book of the law, wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. They brought also the proof. They painted the likeness of their images, y'all. They replaced us. That's a trick they got from the Assyrians, but they took it a step further to where they just basically wrote us clean out of history themselves as us. I hope we're seeing this, man. Y'all only got a couple minutes left. Um, If y'all have any questions, anything dealing with the topic, please hit me up, uh, area code 314-482-9110, man. Um, I think I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm going to stop right here. This is a good stopping place. Got a lot out, man. I didn't I didn't think I was gonna get this far. But man, we got whew, yeah, got a lot of that out. Cool. Cool. So, um man, I hope y'all enjoy the class, man. The water shop for uh, hooking up the broadcast, brother. And like I said, y'all, if y'all got any questions dealing with the topic and what we're going over, please feel free to hit me up. Uh, once again, 
I'm at 314-482-9110. Uh, was there anything you wanted to say, Ed, huh, sir? That's just crazy. And it says it right there, you know, but you have to go, like, so many different places to get this information. It's, it's crazy. It's very black and white. Yeah, but it, it requires diligent search, mm-hmm. diligent. You yeah. can't have do research, man. You really got to go into all of it, man. And I'm still researching a lot of this, man, and I just hope y'all that y'all understand that uh, when you dive into history, it's going to lead you down, lead, lead you down a rabbit hole. It really is. And that, that, you don't know where that rabbit hole is going to take you. But uh, the information will be uh, very enlightening. It will help you piece things together that you didn't previously know. Uh, keep in mind also, a lot of history is uh, basically a, a waste of read, <laughs> if, if for, for lack of a better term. And I'm saying this because in doing your research, man, you have to uh, – really understand what to keep and what to throw out. But uh, with that, y'all, uh, I want to say the wallet to everybody tuning in to the broadcast. Hope everybody got some edification from the class. And until next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tell the Pop. Tuesday. Tell the Pop. Tuesday. Tell the Pop. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say, Shalom. Shalom.